please rise. Court is now in session. Love strength. Fighting for justice is the podcast. Fighting spell with a PA. Serving Philly in the counties and the tri states. Speak to change people's minds. Yeah, we don't see hate. If you ever want to question law, yeah, let's debate. Ask it in, slip and fall. Who you call JJ? Get in trouble, get in fuck, who get in soft? JJ. My practice make it stick like a cactus. JJ had a dream, got a team. And what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Fighting for Justice. You know who it is. It's JJ and Dave here with you. Dave, say what up to the people. What's going on, guys? Welcome back. So today, guys, we have a special guest. I'm going to introduce her. I'm very excited to have her on here. Um, She is a friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine, and I'm going to give her uh, all of her flowers. But before we get started with that, I want to take a couple of minutes to uh, tell you guys exactly what we have coming up. Um, because we do have a lot of things coming up and we want and we hope to have your support for all of it. The first thing that we have coming up, if you live in Chester County, specifically in Phoenixville area, um, then on July 22nd from 11 a.m. till 6 p.m., we are going to be throwing a block party. It is going to be hosted by the podcast Fighting for Justice, as well as the law firm Love Strenfell. We are going to have music, food, um, free free advice there's going to be all kinds of professionals there um it's going to be they're going to be things for the kids to do there's going to be face painting we'll have um, some water ice um, we're still working on getting some other things together but make sure on july 22nd that you guys if you are in or near the phoenixville area that you come and check us out please support on, us all we're show the north for. side some love of phoenixville that's what we're trying to do give back to the community <clears throat> Um, and we just, we want to have a good time. So free burgers, hot dogs, you know, a lot of good stuff. Make it out. Of right. Your and everything is free. You do not have to pay to come to this event. It is free to show up. We have blocked off the street. We're going to have a good time. Um, really what this is oh. about is just community building guys. We want to make sure that you guys understand that you can come to us when you have issues, when you have problems and that, you know, we are here for the community. We are here to help you guys. We are here to give back. We are here to fellowship and have some fun together. And with that being said, we're also having another event, August 12th. It is going to be at 1801 Meadow Street in Philadelphia, PA. That is the second Baptist church in Frankfurt. Again, that address is 1801 Meadow Street. It is going to be August 12th. The time is from 10 to 2. We're going to have a lot of things available for you guys. Uh, Essentially, what we're going to have is we're going to, again, have music, food. There's going to be things for the children. We're going to be giving away 300 book bags stuffed with um, school supplies. We're still working on having a 50-50 event. We're still working on having some uh, wonderful vendors. We've got some great sponsors already. Uh, Isaiah Thomas from Philadelphia, a council member from Philadelphia, is also sponsoring this event. Um, there is RNA Davis. There's a lot of great people who are going to come through guys. There's going to be a lot of lawyers. Absolutely. Judge Stephanie Sawyer. (laughs) There's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of people. And I want to make sure that we understand guys what I want this to be about. I want this to be, uh, something that when we hear, you know what, we aren't here for our community. You know what? People don't want to support. People don't want to be there. We want to say, you know what? Yes, we are here. Yes, we do support our community. Yes, we are here. And yes, we do care. 
And with all that, again, all we need from you guys is to follow this podcast, to show up to these types of events so that we can tell you what's going on. Right now, we have a client by the name of Raymond Robinson, and we are dedicating part of these, uh, these events right, to shedding a light on what is going on with his case. Unfortunately, the, the government, the Commonwealth, <clears throat> is ignoring the fact that they have to know an innocent man sits in prison and they do not care. They do not care. And we want to shine a light on this. As his attorney, I have spoken with Raymond, and this is the way that we believe we can put some pressure on the government tell them to look at his case. And if you ask any of the lawyers that are older than me and probably most of the lawyers who are younger than us, they all are saying, do not say anything. Wait, wait, don't talk about this. Because as an attorney, the worst thing you can do is show your hand and be wrong. Guys, you know how serious I am when I tell you that I believe they have an innocent man in prison? Check my work. Find the holes. I'm not scared. They got an innocent man in prison. And we will be talking about it throughout this podcast sporadically so you guys can get an inside look on just how law and order works or doesn't work in this case. Dave, do you want to add anything to that? I do, because I, I think it's hilarious when people say they don't want, you know, don't show your cards. You don't want to show them the hand you're playing. Here's the deal. We're not playing a hand. Right? All we're doing is telling the truth. That's the difference between us and a lot of lawyers. I'm not putting lawyers down, but you got to understand when we go to court, we're there to present the truth and only the truth. There's no playing games. There's no tricks. We're not looking for loopholes. So for us to actually get to a point where we're comfortable telling the public we believe he's innocent, I promise you, we've dotted our I's, crossed our T's. We've checked everything. We've had investigators out on the scenes. I mean, we've done more work than the Commonwealth will ever do on this case. Because it's important to us and our client who is currently sitting in jail for something we wholeheartedly believe he didn't do. So, you know, we will talk about it. We have a lot of, well, yeah, we do still have a lot of time, which is crazy because it's probably next April before we actually get in front of a jury. But, you know, stay tuned. That's all I'll say. And with that, guys, the the, the next time that you hear us, uh, we're getting ready to bring her on in a couple of minutes, but I want to talk to you about what you're going to hear. The For the next hour, <clears throat> you guys are going to have a true treat to learn from a friend of mine. Her name is Jessica Battle. If you don't know who she is, I'm telling you, you need to listen and learn today. She is somebody who can put an idea and then into work. There's a lot of people who have dreams. There's a lot of people who uh, have big ideas and big goals. But this young woman has um, moved from the dream phase into the action phase. And it has been a joy to watch her succeed, not just kind of in her uh, journey through her weight loss, but through her mental stability and what she teaches now and I don't want to get too much uh, without her, but I'm telling you guys, this episode is going to be about uh, mental mental health. It's going to be about keeping a strong mind. It is going to be about what successful people have in common, the way that they drive, the way that they work, the way that they see things. And I'm telling you, I cannot wait to have Jessica up. I, there she is. Hello. 
to Queen of Pep Talks on time. <laughs> Perfect. Time. How are you? How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Good afternoon. Hi, nice to meet you, David. How are you? You as well. I'm well. So everybody, I, this is the wonderful Jessica Battle. Last name's Battle, Hi. right? I got that yes. right, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. She got she got married in between guys, so I know that her her last name did change from when we first yeah. met. Okay, I want yep. to make sure I had the, it right. Yeah, the only reason I married my husband was for this dope ass last name. And sorry, I hope I can curse <laughs> on your podcast. You're all good. You're all good. So, guys, like I was telling you, this episode is going to be all about mental journeys, mental healthness, and the what it takes to be successful. The kind of mindset it takes. Jessica, I want to throw throw it over to you. To why don't you introduce yourself to our fans? Yeah, sure. So my name is Jessica Battle. I am a coach, entrepreneur, podcaster, uh, motivational speaker. And over the last probably, I mean, I've known you, JJ, for a decade of my life. Over the last decade of my life, I've really been working on improving myself from the inside out. Um, I have lost 100 pounds twice, and that really kind of set me onto a journey of discovering myself, improving my mindset, and really learning to prioritize my mental health. And now I spend my days helping women do the same, helping them learn to prioritize themselves, improve the relationship that they have with themselves, take care of themselves in the best way they know how. Um, and I'm deeply passionate about conversations that a lot of people aren't having around mental health and taking care of yourself. Awesome. I, I told you. So this is this is the first time Jess and Dave get to meet. Dave is I've I have been bragging about you like yo we got to get Jessica on this show like she, <laughs> the way that she works the way that she thinks we need to bring that in. So Jess, tell me I want to talk to you um, uh, initially about how you kind of got into uh, this life and you said that you lost a hundred pounds twice. Can you can mm -hmm. you kind of walk us through what it takes to get to that kind of number 100 pounds and then walk us through what it's like to get it back and i have to tell mm -hmm. your mind oh shit oh man i just messed up i need to restart <laughs> almost how do you do that yeah uh <laughs> i mean how much time do we have because i could talk about this forever so when when i was 19 years old much as you I <clears throat> when i was 19 years old i was in a place where I was really deeply unhappy with myself, with my body. And at that point in your life, I mean, at least as a woman, I would assume probably the same is true for a man. You want to be in a place where you feel like you're attractive to other people, where like you fit in and you have confidence and people think that you look good. So I decided I'm going to go on a journey to lose weight. I had struggled with my weight my whole life. At this time, I was probably about... The highest weight I know was 280 pounds at 19 years old. I probably was closer to 300 at the start of that journey. And at that point in time, my obsession was really change your body, get skinny, because I thought that if I had a smaller body, I would be able to live a happier life, which is what I think a lot of women think. They think, let me change my physical body. And if I change my physical body, then life is just going to be better. And I kind of had that way of thinking. I thought if I lose this weight, Life is going to be great. I'm going to like myself. I'm going to love myself. People are going to like me. I'm going to be confident. And 
I went on a very strict diet, the special K diet. For those who aren't familiar, you basically just eat bowls of cereal all day long. And the weight was dropping off really, really quickly for me. And it took only nine months for me to lose a hundred pounds. But the problem was number mm -hmm. one, when I got there, I wasn't as happy as I thought I was going to be. I still just felt like the person that I was, my body was just smaller. <clears throat> But the biggest problem was that I didn't actually learn anything about creating lasting and sustainable change, right? Like I focused on restricting my calories. I focused on exercising a ton, but what I was doing was an approach that was not going to be sustainable for me for the rest of my life. So as soon as I got to the hundred pound down mark, I was like, oh man, I made it. Like work is done. I can quit doing all of these crazy things that I've been doing and <laughs> It was like my mind was blown when I immediately started putting on weight. And I was like, why is this happening? Like I did all of this work, not realizing, which I think people often fail to realize the work in achieving your goals isn't just the work up until achieving your goals. It's also doing that work in order to maintain the result that you've achieved. And that was something that I really failed to realize. So within a year, I put on every single pound that I gained and more and found myself back at my starting weight. And much like you said, it's like you get there and you're like, wow, like, how did this happen? How did I get back here? This is incredibly defeating. I felt like such a failure. It was like, how did I work this hard to achieve this incredible result? And then just completely backtrack. So again, completely disgusted with myself, hating my body. I'm like, all right, let's try this again. So I... I tried a more sustainable approach. I was eating more food. I was exercising less. It took me 18 months the second time to lose 120 pounds. And I still had a lot of battles from that point on for many years regarding my relationship with food. I struggled with yo-yo dieting and binge eating and using food to comfort myself. Um, it's only really been over the last six years that I focused on healing some of those things. But ultimately my desire to change my body turned into me really wanting to change the relationship that I had with myself because I realized changing my body is not going to change the way that I feel. Like I am the person that I am, whether I weigh 300 pounds or I weigh 150 pounds, I have to focus on what actually creates the feelings that I'm experiencing. And that's not my body. It's the way that I talk to myself. It's the habits I participate in. It's my consistency. It's, you know, the people that I choose to spend my time with. It's the work that I'm doing. Like, these are all the things that play a role in how I feel, but I spent so much of my life thinking it was just going to be my body. And then after changing my body and realizing this is not the answer, I then had to go on a quest to figuring out, okay, how do I create happiness in my life? How do I find a sustainable lifestyle that actually makes me feel good? Because my body, changing my body is not the answer to changing my life the way I thought it was. Awesome. Awesome. So I want to jump in because I feel like, so you can't really tell from the little shot that I'm in, but I'm a big guy myself. You know, I'm 6'2", 250 pounds. I mean, I graduated high school at 250 pounds. So, but in between there, you know, playing football, not playing football anymore. You know, I, there's a completely different 250 pound me than, mm -hmm. than, you know, if I'm working out or I'm eating healthy and I mean, just firsthand, I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. For me, it was mm -hmm. always how do I lose weight? Right. I'll probably eat less Dave because you eat so much food. You're a big guy. And then I, you know, I'm at a point in my life now where I just feel like I've given up caring about, you know, what am I, not what I'm eating, you know, all that focusing on the food isn't important to me. 
because I've changed my habits, right? I'm more dedicated. I'm, I'm always at the gym. I know what eating healthy makes me feel like, right? I know mm -hmm. that working out makes me feel good, right? I know the things that just make me feel better. And then ultimately that, that just carries over into my everyday life as an attorney, which is always stressful. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just, it took me a while to figure out, right? I mean, we've been, we've had our firm for five years and struggling with why am I so stressed? Why is this killing me? But then getting to a point where I'm like, all right, if you eat healthy, right, healthy enough, you stop focusing on that. Like it's controlling your life. You, you know, I drink mm -hmm. a lot of water. Great. I'm exercising. Listen, my clothes, I went down in clothing sizes, you know, I, I definitely, and all I care about is how do I feel? Right. Yeah. And honestly, you know, the one thing I never struggle with, and I know it's so different for every person, I don't care what somebody looks at me and thinks that was never my struggle. It was always just in my head. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm a mm -hmm. big guy and this and that. And I just stopped. Right. I was like, look, it, that's you just be healthy right, and figure out what it does for you. Yeah, that's a, that's the way that it should be is no. focusing on how you feel. But most people glaze over that how you feel part because they're so obsessed with how they look. Exactly. Yeah, and I want to I want to get us to exactly what you said, which is it's what's in your head, right, mm -hmm. guys? Like people don't understand that what stops almost everybody is themselves. It is the thought. Mm -hmm. It is the fear that, in my opinion, what happens is that a lot of us have really big goals and dreams, and sometimes they are so big it's almost like impossible to figure out where do I start? Because the goal itself may be, oh, well, I want to lose a hundred pounds or I want to become an attorney. I want to be, you know, this kind of attorney. But the truth is at the beginning of the stage, when people are like, how do you become an attorney? I'm like, you go to law school. <laughs> yeah, Little <laughs> stuff. Right. So it's like, how do, how do you, how do you get from that big dream, Jess, of like, you know what, let me put something down on paper. Or how do you know when yeah. it's the first step and to get out of the, idea of planning it and into like putting it in the steps how do you move forward yeah yeah this is this is such a good conversation and a conversation that i have often with a lot of my clients i think that much like you said like people know the first step to take it's not about not knowing this the first step that's in front of them like you said if you want to be a lawyer first of all go get your your four-year degree then go to law school like you know how to become a lawyer <laughs> but the idea sure. Of the, the idea of the amount of work that it's going to take and the challenges and roadblocks that are going to come on the journey feels so overwhelming that it's like, let me convince myself that I don't know how to do it so I can justify not taking the steps. Because at the end of the day, like building any level of success in any area of your life, whether you're wanting to build your own business, start your own law firm, lose 100 pounds, at the end of the day, the only thing that you need to know right now is the step that's right in front of you and have the, the courage to take that step. You don't have to worry about the future problems that you're going to face because you're not there yet. And when you get there, you're going to be a person who knows how to move through those challenges because every step of the way, you're going to be learning something, right? Like when I started my business, it wasn't like, oh, I want to know every single step to build a million dollar coaching business. It was like, what do I have to do right now to take steps towards this? And then as I grew, as my business grew, 
I learned more and I became a woman who was capable of handling and figuring out the next problem and the next step. But people, it's like that, that staircase analogy. People get so overwhelmed by how do I get to the 15th floor? And it's like, well, one step mm-hmm. at a time, take the step that's right in one front step. of you and one step over and over and over, but people consume themselves with worries of the future and how they're going to overcome all these obstacles. It's like, who cares? Figure it out when you get there. If you want it, take the step that's right in front of you and trust that you'll be able to figure it out when you get there. Now, I love I love this conversation. This is going to be a good yeah. day because <laughs> what people like what I always say, right, at least how I feel, I shouldn't say I always say it, but they look especially with social media and so much content for people to consume that you always see the final product, right? You see JJ yeah. and myself, you see yourself, right, Jessica? Yeah. People look at you and they just go, how could I ever even do what they do? I can't become a lawyer. I can't start my own business like those guys or her. I can't do any of that. That's crazy. And what no one understands is, I mean, JJ and I have had, we've made so many mistakes together. So (laughs) many mistakes, very expensive mistakes, things that like it should, it should make you not sleep at night, but you know what we've done? (laughs) So embarrassing. But, But what we've done the entire time is every time we make a mistake, we learn from it, right? We know, okay, we're not going to go down that path. We're not going to do that again. We've seen this before. It makes you so much better at things. You know, you, mm-hmm. people saying, well, we can get you these cases. I've seen this a thousand times. I know where this goes. I'm not making this mistake again. And it only mm-hmm. makes you better. And then the problem is when you only seen the final, the final product, like we look polished, they have, we have a business, things are going so well. You have, people need to understand that there are so many things that have happened between even five years ago and now, right? To get us Mm -hmm. where we are. And we still make mistakes. Nothing's perfect. And the goal is to always learn and move forward. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that people struggle with though, is the accepting the idea that it's not going to be perfect and you are going to have screw ups along the way. When you can shift your perspective to like actually see that every failure that you face is a a blessing, right? It's teaching you something about how you can be better moving forward, but people fail to accept Mm -hmm. that way of thinking because they think if, if I experience a failure, then I'm a failure and there's something wrong with me and I'm not worthy enough or good enough. When it's like every successful person experiences failure, it doesn't mean you're a failure. It's just something that you went through. And if you can be willing to look for the lessons and take those so you can change the way that you do things moving forward, you're going to allow yourself the opportunity to win. But most people are so afraid of experiencing that failure because of their ego. They don't want to look stupid. They don't want to be judged. They don't want to lose money or lose sleep. So they just refuse to do the things. But it's like the only way that you learn is by screwing it up, honestly. Nope. And I, 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 that thing killed me. I'm a, you know, when we started this firm, I was two years out of law school. So even trying something, I was like, there's so many lawyers that are better than me. I have no Mm -hmm. idea what I'm doing. I'm and I refused. I was almost like a perfectionist. It would take me so long to do something. It should take 10 minutes because Mm -hmm. I was so, and then just getting through it, right? Like, listen, you can't be perfect. No one's perfect. No lawyer's perfect. No person's perfect. And it gets you to a place where you can learn, right? That's what it's all mm-hmm. about, especially in my in our profession, right? You need to learn. If you're not learning, you're a bad lawyer. Mm-hmm. You know that. You know what I want to talk to you a little bit about, Jess, is mm-hmm. kind of one of the, something that Dave was just talking about. It is <clears throat> the idea that people see us polished. For me and Dave, it's in court, right? I know, mm-hmm. and I learned from a mentor of mine. Shout out Shaka Johnson. When I was a young baby lawyer at the PD, he would come in and when he, this brother showed up to court, it was like all cameras was on. He, he was just showtime, 
right? <laughs> and he would come in for like three minutes, do his thing, voice everywhere, you know, making arm gestures and everything. By the time he walked out of the courtroom, half the room left with him because he had an aura about him, right? Yeah. And one thing I learned from him is like, yo, he didn't actually do all that right now. There was a lot of work behind the scenes. <laughs> at 5 a.m., this brother was practicing. At 6 a.m., <laughs> this brother was practicing while everybody else was asleep, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, talk to talk to us a little bit about what it takes to and how, how confident you get in those moments when nobody else is watching you and you're hard on yourself and you're training yourself. What is it like to motivate yourself through the darkness so that you can shine in the light? Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, it's like, we all have people that we look up to who we aspire to be like, who do things like your mentor, like walks into court and does things so effortlessly. And people see that. And with social media, it's so easy to see that and not see the behind the scenes of what it takes to actually be that person. So a good example right now, I am working on really building my speaking career. And as you know, JJ, I'm in this course for public speaking and we're, I'm crafting a 45 minute keynote speech. And when my mentors told me in order to be ready to step on a stage with this speech, you need to have rehearsed for 45 hours, like 45 hours to be able to deliver a 45 minute speech. Most people think like, oh, you just get up there and you're good at it. No, hun, we put in hundreds of hours behind the scenes, like doing it when no one is watching, when no one is clapping for you and no one is cheering for you. Like that's what it takes to build yourself into someone who is successful that other people look at them. And they're like, dang, like she's really killing it or he's really killing it. But the problem for so many people that I want to touch on with this is and I struggled with this for a lot of my life, we become dependent on validation from other people. And we need other people mm. to be cheering for us or clapping for us in order to feel like the work is worth showing up and doing. And that's why I think no matter what you're building, you have to want it so much that even when no one is clapping for you, even when no one is cheering you on, even when, especially in things like what y'all are doing, building a law firm, like me, an entrepreneur, people are going to doubt you every step of the way. They're going to be like, you're crazy. Why would you do this? Like, just go work for someone else. How are you going to show up when there are people in your ear telling you this is the stupidest idea ever? Don't do it. Like when I started my business, my husband thought it was a joke. He was like, are you serious? Like people don't need coaches online. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, ha ha, watch me. I'm going to show you. But it's like, people are going to doubt you. You have to want your dream so much that like, when no one is around clapping for you, you're going to be there putting in the work because you're so passionate about what you're doing. And I, it's funny. I got a quick story. I can't, mm. I, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell this. So my first jury trial um, where I was doing the whole trial, right. And JJ was just there to, to just be support and coach. And he's like, this is all you, man. Like you got this. So I, we do the opening, right. We write the close. Well, some of the closing, cause you have to wait for the trial. I did the opening probably for six hours that day. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I would get done. I had it memorized. I had everything down and he would just look at me and go, now do it again. And it got to a point where I was like, listen, man, if I do this one more time and you say do it again, I'm leaving my own house. I'm going to leave and walk out that back door. But then the flip side of that is when I walked into court, and listen, I was so nervous. There's no way you mm -hmm. can't be. If you're not nervous, you have no idea what's going on. But when I stood up and they were like, all right, you know, Mr. Strunfall, time for your opening. I was like, 
let's go. Like I knew yeah. it. I knew how to perform <laughs> it. I knew what to say. And I didn't forget anything. And it took the anxiety out of at least that portion. Right. And you can yes. shine in front of people. And yes, oh, but I'll never forget that. I looked at him and I was like, bro, listen, tell me one more time to do it again. Seriously. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> well, I think that that's the thing is like your, your confidence in doing things. People think that that confidence is something that you just naturally have. Your confidence is built by putting in the reps, right? Like the more you do it, the more you're going to believe in yourself. And then when you show up and you kill it, you're like, okay, confidence boost. And then you show up and you kill it again, confidence boost. Like your confidence grows the more that you do things. But people, the problem is a lot of people, they want to be experts straight out of the gate. And like, you don't get to be good at something the first time you do it. Like you're probably going to suck and you have to be okay with that. Are you willing to suck so that you can master something? And most people aren't willing to do that. Yep. Damn, what a word right there. That's, are you willing to <laughs> suck long enough until you yeah. get great at something? That's the only way to, to go through is to struggle through it. But mm -hmm. the truth is, like you said, it's, there is something that successful people have, which is passion. It is, it is, mm -hmm. I have been lucky. I've been blessed to find a connection to be, to connect money with talking. Everybody who knows mm -hmm. me, know I love to talk. <laughs> and I just found a way to like use what I love and I can do it all day. The thinking part is annoying. Yes. But like when successful people can find a way to motivate themselves. And I think another thing that helps, or at least it helps me is to find other successful people or people that I think are mm -hmm. successful and to, to keep them around me so that when I don't have it, when I feel tired, because the truth is I have my days. I have plenty of days mm -hmm. and I've been started to tell Dave myself, I'm like, listen, I need you to check up on me. If I don't, you know, at, at 5.30 in the morning, if I ain't hit you by 6.30, ask me if I ran, ask me if I moved. Mm -hmm. And I got a couple other people talk about what it's like to build a, a network of accountability. Mm -hmm. I think I, I love <clears throat> having highly motivated, successful people in my corner, because at the end of the day, it, there's like that famous saying that you become like the five people that you spend most of your time with, right? Because you, for any of you who are in relationships or have close friendships, like you can see, I mean, I can see clearly for myself, the way that my husband has rubbed off on me, the way that he talks has, you know, you pick those things up when you spend a lot of time with people. So you have to ask yourself, like, are the people that you're spending your time with people that you want to emulate? Are they people that you would aspire to be like? Are they people that you are okay if the way that they talk or the way that they behave or the habits they participate in, are you okay with those things rubbing off on you because they're going to whether you like it or not? I think that having people, like you said, accountability buddies or partners or friends that you can check in with and say like, hey, can you check in with me and ask me if I did this? I think it's incredible. But I think that at the end of the day, the most important accountability is your self-accountability. Because at the end of the day, Dave could hit you and be like, hey, yeah, JJ, did you get your run in? You could easily be like, yeah, I did, knowing that you did it, right? <laughs> like the, the only person that you are really have to be honest with is yourself. So it's like at the end of the day, and if he's not there, if he's busy or he's sick or he's on vacation, what are you gonna do if he's not there to check in on you? So I think finding a way, which is why right. I think self-talk is so important. Like. I have conversations with myself like a crazy person. Like at the end of the night, I'm like, hey, how do you feel about how you showed up today? Like, what could you have done better? What are you proud of yourself for? Because 
that's a way for you to learn to hold yourself accountable to doing the things that you did. I think if you really enjoy, like if you're an extroverted person and you love having a circle of people who check on you, great, do that, find those people. And they don't have to be people in your real life. They can be people that you meet on social media through networking. Like the internet is a really <clears throat> powerful place, like find your people and connect with them. But I think at the mm -hmm. end of the day, alongside of that, we should all be focusing on building self accountability so that at the end of the day, we can have those hard conversations with ourselves and say, did you do what you said you were going to do? Like, if yes, great. But if you didn't, what do you have to do different tomorrow to make sure that you show up for yourself the way you want it to? Absolutely. And here's the funny thing. I was just on vacation and every morning I texted him and I was like, I'm going to the gym. So you better be on your run. <laughs> and what, and what told, a good no more friend excuses. and business partner, like to text him on your I'm, vacation. I would be like, you're on your own. <laughs> so I want to flip the script just a little bit, right? Cause I heard you mention it when uh, you were introducing yourself, right? Um, so you know, at the firm right now, currently, I do a ton of family law, divorce, custody, you know, some some very emotional stuff, right? Especially for my mm -hmm. clients. And the one thing that I do always talk about with clients and on podcasts is the stigma, you know, surrounding mental health issues, right? Mm -hmm. And I just want to kind of get your perspective on it because in my world, it, you know, it depends on the court. It depends on who you're in front of. It'll either be treated as a joke, it's not something serious, mm -hmm. or it'll be taken very seriously, right? Mm -hmm. Which which mm -hmm. is very hard for me to try to navigate those waters because if I have clients that are experiencing issues and I tell them like, look, we're gonna bring this up in the court and the judge doesn't care, and I just had that happen, I'm like, well, I guess we're in front of somebody that just doesn't care at all. Yeah. They like, And this judge definitely did not care. So, yeah. you know, just kind of give our viewers an insight, right? Not from the legal perspective, which is wonderful. You know, how do you talk to your clients? How do you coach anybody on? Because the stigma surrounding mental health is, it's so bad, right? It pushes people mm -hmm. not to ask for help. It makes you think you're weak. You're not strong that, you know, people are going to judge you. You know, how do you yeah. handle conversations like that? Yeah. So the first thing I want to say is I'm not a medical professional by any stretch of the uh, imagination. I, I do think that fortunately we're in a time now where there is a heightened level of awareness coming to conversations around mental health, especially with social media. But if I'm to think about like a judge in court, they're probably a couple of generations older than us. Right. So Correct. I know like, yeah. when I, when I talk to my parents about mental health and I even recently, like, here's an example we all have hard days and I was having a really tough day in my business. And I was like on the phone with my mom crying and she was basically like, your life is so good. You have nothing to be sad about. And I was like, Whoa, like, <laughs> like, hold on here. Like just because you're successful and life is good means that you are not allowed to have a bad mental health day. And, and that's mm -hmm. the way that they think is like, if you have the things, if you make the money and you have a good partner, you have a job, a roof over your head, food on the table, there's nothing for you to feel bad about. And it's like, we have to stop dismissing the way that people feel just because we're not experiencing it. And I think that's what people do with mental health is like, if you've never experienced depression, then you can't be empathetic to someone that's experiencing depression, but don't discredit the fact that they're having that experience because that's incredibly unfair to them because only they know how they feel and their experience of their life is different than your experience of your life. What they've been through is different than what you've been through. So I think the only way for us to really 
make these conversations normal is to have them by doing things like this, sharing things like this on the podcast. It's really unfortunate though, especially in the position like with the law where you could potentially end up going to prison for something or paying fines for something or getting probation just because the judge doesn't understand that your client has mental health issues. Like that has to be so frustrating and difficult for you because depending (laughs) on who you're sitting in front of, it's like, I don't know what I'm going to get today. And that's so difficult for you to effectively do your job when people have different perspectives and views around something as serious as mental health. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I want to, you know, kind of push a little further and say, you know, as Dave knows, uh, for my birthday last year, I had my own mental breakdown, right? I, it was just a lot of stress that I put on myself, a lot of Mm -hmm. anxiety that just, I, I wasn't really aware with how to handle it in that moment. And it it just overwhelmed me is, is my opinion. Mm -hmm. Right. So in that moment, I, I, feel like I had to even be real with myself and be like, all right, let's take a step back. What do I need to do for me? How do I need mm-hmm. to, because now I felt like, you know what, now that I have this label, right. And I'll tell the world, like, listen, I was diagnosed, I guess, technically as bipolar. And now that I have that, I'm like, okay, well, I only have one more chance to try and handle this on my own before the world mm-hmm. says, here's who you are. And here's what, like, you're going to have to be medicated. You're going to have to do X, Y, Z. So I think that like we, these kind of conversations are very important, especially for entrepreneurs, especially for people who are seen as successful, because just like you said, it is, it is so deflating to feel like, man, just because I was successful financially or in my career that like, Mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to have (laughs) mental health issues. I'm not allowed to have a bad day. Like people expect so much out of us. And I think it's, Mm -hmm. that's okay. Because I think successful people, we expect a lot out of ourselves. Yeah. However, having that mental toughness, having your goal be so big and you know that, you know what, I am unwavered from my dream. I see where it is. I think that is very important. And I'm glad that we're shining a light on that. Does anybody have anything else they wanted to add for, for that before I move it on? I think that one other thing that I I just want to say there is like, I can say this from my own experience that the more success I've experienced in my life, the more success I've craved in my life, sometimes almost to a fault to the point where I'm putting unnecessary pressure on myself and I'm not Mm -hmm. acknowledging, I was just having this conversation yesterday, not acknowledging how far I've come and all the work I've done to this point, because I'm just so focused on the future. And I think that it's really important for anyone who is an entrepreneur or who identifies as a high achiever to really take the time to check yourself and, and acknowledge how far you've come and make sure that the pressure that, that you're feeling, it's probably coming from you and making sure that you're not putting unnecessary pressure on yourself because it's great to want more for your life, but at the end of the day, at what expense? Like what I say to myself is, what does more success matter if you're miserable in the creating of it? Like if you're miserable in the day-to-day and building the success, what does any of it matter? So making sure that you're prioritizing yourself while you're building your dreams. And I think that's something a lot of entrepreneurs do is they put themselves on the back burner in the pursuit of achieving the goal or in the pursuit of building the Mm -hmm. business. Do not allow yourself to take a backseat in your life. Your own well-being should not be put on the back burner um, just so that you can build your dreams because you can have all the success in the world, but if you don't feel solid within yourself, what's the point of having all of the stuff that you have? 
Exactly. And I mean, that's, that's why this year I've already been on two vacations, not bragging. This yes. like they were long or extravagant, <laughs> but you know what? It's a matter. It has nothing to do at all with the location. It has to do with, I turned my phone off. I have a great business partner though, that we, we do the same for each other. If we're on vacation, we're unavailable unless it's something mm -hmm. that we have to talk about. Right. And that's all it is for me. And I, it took a couple of years to be like, cause like you said, right. It's all save the money, make the money. I need, you know, it's all financial and work and keep doing more. And finally I'm like, what's it all for though? Like, what mm -hmm. am I? All right. So when I'm 70, I'll go on vacation. Like, no, I need a break. <laughs> right. Even if it's for a weekend, like go somewhere where it's warm, hang out for a little bit. Like, and that's, that's, it's all, again, it's all about learning. Right. And that's why mm -hmm. I always, these conversations are just great for anyone who's doing anything. Yep. It does, you know, take some time for yourself, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay. So I want to, I want to slide us to, uh, Jess, I've been actually listening to some of your queen of, is it queen of pep talks, right? Pep talks. Mm-hmm. There we go. Got it. All right. And you had uh, somebody on Jimmy, if I'm not mistaken, from me yeah. on Insanity. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And you, there was a bunch of gems, guys. If you have not, if you, first of all, if you don't follow Jess, take a second and go over to the queen of pep talks and go follow this girl. I'm telling you, <laughs> she drops gems consistently. All right. No, thank you. One of the gems that you guys were talking about was you were talking about how when you got into Beachbody, and I, I don't want to steal your story, so I'll let you you tell it, but no, essentially what you it. were uh -huh. saying was how you weren't in the moment coachable because mm. what you thought you wanted was kind of like a, a weight loss goal. But what mm -hmm. Jimmy was trying to teach you was like, listen, you need to be healthy mentally and other things. Can you talk mm -hmm. what it's like to, to not necessarily be coachable in that moment like you were talking about before? Yeah, absolutely. So a little <clears throat> backstory, Jimmy was, a, a, and still is a Beachbody coach and Beachbody was the um, fitness workouts that I did to lose a hundred pounds. And I had been sharing my journey on social media. He reached out, I ended up signing up as a coach and he was my mentor. And at that point in time, we're talking like 2014, early 2015. So many years ago, I was really still obsessed with like changing my body. And he was very much like, if you want to be successful in building this business as a beach body coach, you need to focus on more than just the workouts that you're doing and the food that you're eating. You need to also focus on developing your mind, like get into personal development. Here's a couple of book recommendations, listen to audios on YouTube. And I literally was like, I don't need this BS. My mind is fine. I need to change my body. Like that was, that was literally the, what I said. I was like, I don't need this. Like I don't, my mind is fine because at the time I thought I had everything figured out at the time I was down like 90 pounds. I was like, I got this figured out. Like I'm good. Just let me keep doing what I'm doing. So completely naive to even at the time understanding the way that my mind was playing a role in my life. And I think, I mean, a lot of people, when they hear mindset work, they're like, what is that? They don't understand working on your mind and doing personal development, improving the way that you think and the way that you speak and all of that. They think that the path to achieving what they want is just strategic. Like, give me the steps to do it and I'm going to do mm -hmm. it. And that was mm -hmm. what I thought. I was like, if I want to be successful, just tell me how, what do I need to do? And I'll be good. Like, I'll take it from there. But I didn't realize at the time that your mind is what will stand in your way 100% of the time. 
the self-doubt, the limiting beliefs, the self-sabotage, the need to be perfect, the all or nothing thinking, the unrealistic expectations that you have of yourself. Your mind is what is going to stop you from taking action steps forward. And I had failed to realize that. So at the time, I basically just said to him, like, yeah, whatever. And I kept doing what I was doing. And it wasn't until years later that I realized, like, I've lost all of this weight. Like I had all of the things I thought I wanted, but I still wasn't happy in my life. And I was like, maybe they were onto something with this whole like personal development stuff. So I started reading some books and I was like, oh, wow, this really does make a difference when you pay attention to how you're thinking and, and start, you know, working through your limiting beliefs and questioning the thoughts that you have instead of giving into all of them. Um, but it was hard for me to acknowledge that I wasn't coachable because I wanted to be a person who had it all figured out. And I think that a lot of people struggle with that. Like they want to have it all figured out. And they think that asking for help is a sign of weakness or like telling people that they don't know something somehow disqualifies them from being successful. When at the end of the day, like people have had mentors for as long as we can think about, especially we think about sports, right? Like people have had coaches for sports for how long for a reason, because they need someone to give them guidance when they're screwing up or when they're not doing something right, or when they need to improve their technique. But when we think about, again, back to like what David was saying, when you think about the mental health, there's such a stigma of like, if I need help with something involving my mind, I'm somehow then weak. Like people hire coaches to help them improve their physical performance, but not the mind stuff. And that was kind of how I felt. And um, it wasn't until I realized like, learning from someone who has done what you want is like the quickest path to success. Why would you not surround yourself with people who are doing what you want? And so many people are like afraid of hiring coaches and being coachable, but it's like, that's literally a shortcut. Like you're looking for the shortcut to success. Having a coach who's done what you want is the shortcut to success. Yep. And it's funny, I, a metaphor that I always <clears throat> like to use, especially in our world, right? With lawyers and just every, every little nuance thing that we do, I always kind of look at it like the Grateful Dead, right? And I know JJ is going to hate me for using that because he doesn't like him, right? But you look at the Grateful Dead and each one of those members, right, are great at something. Somebody sings, mm -hmm. you have two drummers, you have Jerry Garcia, right? But the funny thing is, is none of them care about this, the spotlight, right? And mm -hmm. it's kind of my metaphor for, listen, find what you're great at. And it's okay if somebody's better than you at something, right? When we yes. do trials, there's certain things that JJ will just always be better than me. And I'm okay with admitting it. it doesn't hurt my feelings because I do things that are better than him. But guess what? Together, we are unstoppable, right? Mm -hmm. And it, there's no hard feelings. We don't care. And I mean, that's just been the path for me is just look around you, find the people. If you're not good at something, there's somebody who's good at it, right? Mm -hmm. Learn from them. Let them do it. Let them teach you. And listen, it, your goal shouldn't always to be as good as them, <clears throat> but they should be around you right? It makes mm -hmm. life a lot easier. And that's how I've mm -hmm. just, you know, I've learned just in the five years we had the law firm, just, I don't have to be the best at every single facet of being a lawyer, figure out who's good at what, and let's just go out there and kill it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, if you're trying to be the best at everything, you're probably not going to be very good at anything because you're trying to spread yourself <laughs> so thin. <laughs> like, if I'm going to be the best at everything, like I'm probably just very average at most of those things because I haven't spent the time really mastering and developing that skill. So it's like, yes, right. allow yourself to not be the best and surround yourself with the people who are good at like filling the gaps for the things that you're not very good at. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, like, the honest, honestly, when I think about it, I'm like, yo, do you know how long it takes just to identify as good at something? You're talking years <laughs> and years of work just for you to probably be, like, just average at it. Just, mm -hmm. like, okay. To go out and do something and not em fully embarrass yourself, it's going to take a few years. In order to be great, you need, like, decades. Mm -hmm. You want to be well, great one, in everything? Good luck. <laughs> Good one luck. thing that I remember, it was one of Malcolm Gladwell's books, but uh, it was Outliers. That's what it was. I read that a while ago. But what he talks about is, to you know, to master something, you need to do 10,000 hours of it. And he gave mm -hmm. so many examples, right? The Beatles. I mean, you name it, right? And he, he went through how many shows they played before they were the Beatles, right? And that's kind of what I was touching on before. Everybody sees that polished product and they're like, mm -hmm. well, I could just be the Beatles. Give me a guitar. Like, man, they played... <laughs> A hundred thousand shows <laughs> before they came to America and you heard the Paulist version, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, it's the work that you have to put in if you want to be great at something. And can I add one thing? They probably played a lot of those really crappy shows for free, not getting paid. People want to yeah. be paid immediately <laughs> yeah. straight out of the gate. It's like, you, no, you have yep. to build your reputation to make Beatles money. The Beatles weren't making Beatles money on day one. Like, let go of the expectation Correct. that you're going to get rich and be fabulous overnight because you're not. You're going to suck Correct. and you're going to be poor. But it's okay. It'll work out if you stay the course. <laughs> Correct. You know, one thing that I do kind of like, like slash hate about being an entrepreneur is that it is so humbling to like think <laughs> yeah. you're worth a million dollars, go out there to the world, be like, man, I'm a million dollar lawyer. And don't nobody give you a million dollars. Very quickly, you realize you may be like a hundred dollar lawyer. Like, yeah. How about 750? I'll give you $750. Right. All right. I'll take people, it. I'm like, listen, you're only worth what somebody's willing to give to you. I'm great. It's great that you think you're worth a million dollars, but like, until somebody give it until to you and then you have you to go earn yeah. it <laughs> yeah. right yep. you, you you just worth the dream right now brother like <laughs> keep that dream alive um but i, I did want to talk to you guys about just i want to pivot how did you pivot from going much more about um you know weight loss and into inspiring and being a life coach how did you how did that come out so i, I do still <clears throat> there there was a pivot for me and and the pivot came when i in 2017 made the decision that i was not going to obsess over my body anymore and that i was going to focus on like the healing so i was struggling with binge eating disorder i was struggling with emotional eating my dad abandoned me when i was like six or seven years old so i had a lot of inner child healing work that needed to happen there were a lot of parts of me that i had been avoiding for so much of my life because i was just obsessing over like changing my body and when i decided it's not healthy for me to continue to obsess over my body because number one i, I was as small as i had ever been i was like super <clears throat> tiny like to the point that it was unhealthy and I was realizing this isn't bringing me the feelings that I want to experience. So I decided like, I'm going to give up dieting and I'm going to focus on taking care of myself, much like David was saying at the beginning of the conversation, like focusing on how I feel instead of focusing on my body. And when I did that, I was able to start really focusing on the things that mattered. So I worked on improving mm -hmm. my relationship with food. I worked on really learning to accept my body and appreciate my body, even if it wasn't perfect, realizing it never would be. I worked with some mentors around healing my inner child stuff so that I wasn't holding on to all of these feelings of like resentment and anger and not feeling the need to people please and needing external validation. So I worked on all of these kind of internal things. And as I'm working on that, I'm realizing 
this is the stuff that I've been looking for my whole life. Like it was never my body. It was the mind work that was going to change how I felt. And with that, it was so effortless for me to like, it wasn't even intentional. It was just like the things that I wanted to talk about started changing. I didn't want to talk about Mm. how much weight I was losing anymore. I wanted to talk about how I had learned to control my relationship with food. So I wasn't, you know, standing in front of the refrigerator eating nonstop until I was sick. Like it was just so easy to start talking about the things that actually mattered to me because those were the things that were really making an impact in my life. So it was really easy to make the pivot into talking about the mindset work and the relationship with yourself and the healing, because those were the things that were really making a big impact in my life. Dave, nothing. Okay. I was, I just, you moved up. So what I <laughs> no, want to, no. I wasn't sure if he was going to say anything. Um, so here's what I actually wanted to talk about. The similarities <clears throat> in the mindsets of what we see a lot. And Dave handles a lot of our divorce uh, cases, a lot of our custody cases, what I see a lot and what you talk about um, I think would help for a lot of your followers who happen to be women. A lot of women, Dave, I want you to kind of talk more about it. They come here with preconceived notions, right? They'll say, mm-hmm. oh, well, my husband said this about the divorce, and then they're terrified. Dave, mm-hmm. I want you to talk about people's expectations, and especially a lot of time what I see, it. it's a lot of women who are getting misinformed, <clears throat> and then they bring that fear to the firm and just kind of like, giving them solid information, how that helps them. And I, I kind of think that's what you do. A lot of times people I hear you saying, guys, this isn't the truth. Here's the truth. And let's use mm-hmm. that. So Dave, I want you to kind of talk about that a little bit so that she can understand oh, yeah. and then Jess, I'll let you take it from there. Man, I always, it's a, sometimes it's a struggle, right? Um, and it's usually the women because they feel helpless, right? They're, they're, and their husband is certainly not helping. I'm going to take all the money none of this is yours. You can't use the money. And, you know, it carries through the divorce, unfortunately, which, you know, it does make my relationship with the client harder because they're being just fed horrible things that are completely untrue. And then they bring that worry to me. And, you know, I mean, I do actually have some professionals that I, you know, that I recommend some of my clients out to, to talk to them. But I, the only thing that I, and I always tell them like, listen, I, I can't help with really the emotional side of it. Right. Because that's not my expertise, but what I can tell you is what you're being told is just completely wrong. Right. Everything is yours. You can take the money. You don't have to move out. It's not his house. He's not going to keep the kids. And it is, it's definitely a struggle. Right. And it's, it's, it, it boils over into almost every aspect. Now, the good news is once you know, what I see is once what I start saying pans out, right, that the things that I'm saying are actually truthful, then it does get better. But man, there's so much misinformation out there about divorce and custody and what's going to happen and what you can do that it it, it almost prevents a lot of people from getting divorced, right? Because I get tons of calls where, you know, we're going to get divorced, you know, this and that, but they don't ask the right questions to me or they don't ask any questions. And then I never hear from them again. Right. Or they call me back in a year and JJ knows this. I've had many, they call back six months, a year. Like I'm still going to get divorced, but I'm worried about the money. And I'm like, look, then we start getting into it, but you know, it's, it's hard to deal with. Right. I mean, the misinformation makes the whole process so much harder. Right. And I understand, I'm not saying I don't understand. I've never been through a divorce, but the feeling of helplessness is there. And I can totally understand why they feel the way they do. 
Yeah. I think it's like a, a, and I could only imagine, and my parents are divorced. And unfortunately, some of the things that you're talking about, my dad actually did to my mom. He sold our house while we were living in it and left us homeless. He repossessed her car because it was in his name. He didn't pay child support for 15 years. Like those things can be a reality if you don't have, and my mom wasn't working. So she didn't even have the financial ability to hire a good lawyer to help her. But I can imagine in that situation, the, like you were saying, the helplessness and the lack of, the lack of clarity and certainty in what the future is going to hold has to be scary, especially when there are children involved. And if you're financially dependent on your partner, which is why I think like to circle it back and bring it all kind of full circle is like, in the moments in your life, you're not going to be able to control everything in your life. In the moments in your life where things feel out of control, that's when it's most important to focus on what you can control. And a lot of people think that they're supposed to have control over everything in life. And when one thing feels like it's spiraling, it's like, well, hands up, I'm just going to quit. Like, I'm just, what's the point in trying? Because this one area of my life is spiraling out of control. But really, areas mm -hmm. of your life will spiral when you don't have control over them. But that's all the more reason why you should be focusing on the areas of your life that you can control so that you can continue to maintain feeling some certainty in those areas instead of just saying like, oh, well, I give up on even trying. Yeah. I, and that's really my goal, right? Even having those conversations, I'm like, look, you came to me for a reason. I, I'm going to handle these things. And I know it might seem mm -hmm. weird at first, but I'm the only one that can control certain things, right? If he steals mm -hmm. all the money, we're going to get it back. If he thinks he's going to sell your host, we're, we're, you know, a house, we're going to court, right? It won't happen, right? We will prevent him. Now, I do understand the financial side and I can empathize. I mean, listen, a divorce like that, if you truly have a spiteful spouse, can cost <laughs> just thousands and thousands, especially if you're in court all the time. But in the end, it, you Gotta know, be careful you who you marry. Correct. Be careful who right, you marry. Amen. <laughs> Be careful who you Correct. marry. And I mean, I think the funny thing is, though, I think that was our goal from day one, right? Day one for doing our podcast was just giving the the easy free information that I don't want to be yes. paid for right? Like, here's what the law says. It's not all his. It's not all hers. It's marital property because if I can even make that decision a little easier or get you out of a relationship that's abusive that you don't want to be in, but you're afraid, at least if you hear one of our podcasts, you're like, well, if that's the truth. Then maybe I'm not afraid anymore. Right. Maybe mm -hmm. you'll stop listening to the person that's just, you know, feeding you garbage. So that's my yeah. only goal, at least with that. Yeah. And I think it's so important to provide information to people. I do the same on my podcast but it's also their responsibility to seek out that information before just jumping to conclusions, Absolutely. right? Like Absolutely. rather than jumping to a conclusion, like seek the information that's going to give you the correct answers around the topic in which you're looking to find clarity. Yep. Absolutely agree. I would say the other thing that I wanted to like kind of draw a similarity to is when people come into our office and they, they hire us really for anything that we do. So whether it's criminal, whether it is custody, divorce, whether it is personal injury, slip and fall, when you are dealing with the law, it is the long run and it is a mental game. You need somebody outside of your lawyer to keep your mind focused on life because the law has this way of scaring the crap out of you 
And all it requires you to do is I'm not sure sometimes there's people I can feel them mentally stuck in life because they keep calling me and asking me the same question. The answer will be like, hey, boo boo, we got to wait till we get to court. I, I told you this three months ago. I can't do anything until it's showtime. Yeah. So like if you keep asking me the same question, you aren't moving like you need to worry about something. You paid me a lot of money to be good three months from now but you can't spend the next three months worrying about if I'm going to be good enough. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I talk a lot you with know, my so clients I, about, go ahead, go ahead. about, yeah, I was going to say, I talk a lot with my clients about <clears throat> worry and I have a, a, a pretty powerful perception of worry in my own life that I use because it's easy to worry about the future, especially when there's uncertainty and you're waiting and you have to practice patience. But what I tell myself is that worrying is an absolute waste of my time because whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Whether I worry about it for two seconds or I worry about it for 200 hours, it's going to happen. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Do I want to allow myself to experience whatever's going to happen one time or do I want to force myself to experience the emotions of what might happen a hundred times over, which is what we do when we worry. We emotionally respond to the idea of what might happen down the line Things might not even go that way, but yet your body and your mind are experiencing this like trauma way of thinking in response to what you think is going to happen over and over and over. So I just tell myself that worrying is a waste of my time. Trust that you'll be able to deal with whatever the outcome is when that time comes, but worrying is not going to change the outcome of the situation. It's only going to make your current reality really, really miserable. Yep. Uh, and you know, almost full circle. It, it's, it's something that it goes one way or the other with some of my clients, right? If I, if I see a client who's struggling, I, and this is the problem I have with mental health stigma, right? If I see somebody struggling, I now have to make a decision. Should I recommend one of the professionals I know, right? Should I tell them you should talk to somebody? And what I'm risking at that very point in time is that person either will take that advice and say, you know what, thank you very much. I'm going to call them or it goes completely 180. <laughs> And they think you're calling me crazy. Like, how dare you? There's no, you know, mm -hmm. and then I lose a client, which costs me thousands of dollars just for caring about someone. Right. So things like mm -hmm. that personally affect just my life in general and my financial state stability. And that's why yeah. I always like to talk about it. Right. It's, it's not a bad thing. If I'm saying it, I'm not judging you. All I'm saying is I, I personally don't have the means to help you. If that's what you're going through, mm -hmm. if you're not, then look, I'm still your lawyer. I'm still going to fight for you. I'm still going to do my job. I just need to make sure you're okay, right? Because when my yeah. clients are okay, we're we're good. We can work as a team. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's always a struggle. Not always, but, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a struggle if we identify it. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So the, the last thing that I have really is just, I wanted to give you just a, a chance to plug anything that you were doing. I know you were talking about uh, your your speech. Uh, I know the 45 minute speech that you were working on. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna give you a chance to let us know what you're up to. How can we support you? Uh, where can we find you? All those good things. Yeah, um, I think the best place to connect with me if you're interested in learning more about kind of what I do and how I help people and just the, the journey that's really led me here, because it is a fascinating one, if I do say so myself, um, you can connect with me on the Queen of Pep Talks <laughs> podcast. It's probably the best place to get to know me, obviously, free way for you to learn a ton. We have, I think, 320 episodes over there, um, jam packed with ways that you can improve your life. So if you find yourself 
male or female, it just unhappy in your life and feeling like a lack of fulfillment. And you know that you're not achieving the things that you want and you don't feel the way that you want to feel. There's tons of golden nuggets over there that will help you just learn to improve your life in the way that you want to, no matter what that looks like for you. It doesn't have to be weight loss related. A big focus on my podcast is the mindset, which is applicable to like we've talked about any single area of your life. So the queen of pep talks podcast available on all of the popular podcast apps. And again, I want to thank you for your time. Appreciate it so much. I know how busy you are. Um, I would, we would love to have you back again at some point. Um, but until next time, guys, y'all know what it is. Stay safe. And if you need us, holla at your boy. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. AJ, my practice make it stink like a cactus. JJ had a dream, got a team, now they do this all day. George for Brianna Teller was amongst us. We fight and shine light, so bright to fight injustice. The pink is big and small, we want them all. Please get front us. Questions on the law, JJ, who you call? Come and get your justice. Keep on fighting. Problem with the law, you know who to call.